and uh, we're going to talk about something different. Well, it's not that different, is it, Brian Waddle? It's sport. Good evening. Good evening, Karen. <laughs> it's quite a, yeah, it's quite uh, beyond imagination, isn't it, to think that, uh, you know, we're six, seven weeks into a new year and there have been two massive weather events in the northern region. You know, we all go through tough times, don't we, in terms of weather hits, but uh, <laughs> this is quite horrific, isn't it? it uh, I hope you're coping all right there. Yeah, it is horrific. Um, doing our best to um, just get through it because it's, for the for this part of the world, for the north, obviously, now is some of the you know pinch points happening uh, with the rain coming in. And, you know, I don't think that uh, until you've experienced those uh, strong southerlies uh, um, and what's going on, uh, you know, wind-wise, that you're aware of just how strong that wind is. Mm. Well, I hope it's not too uh, severe on everybody up there and they can uh, recover and uh, get back to normal life as quickly as possible. Well, that would be a good thing, Brian. <laughs> so let's talk sport. Yes, indeed. Um, it, wasn't the best, yeah. it wasn't the best start for the White Ferns to their World T20 Cup campaign over the weekend. No, it was quite embarrassing, actually. They'd been beaten by a record margin, 97 runs in a T20 game. Not a good sign because uh, New Zealand went there with a fair bit of confidence and they had players in pretty good form. But the Australians are the benchmark for the women's game of cricket. They're very difficult to, to knock over. They have won the uh, 50 over version of the World Cup. That was here in New Zealand uh, last year. And they've started in rampant form, scoring 170. It's not so much that they got that many. It was the fact that... Uh, New Zealand managed uh, only 76 for their turn at bat. And uh, even though there was one controversial, very controversial decision that went against New Zealand, I don't think they were ever going to win that game, having lost their two key players, uh, Bates and Devine, at the top of the order. But the interesting thing is, uh, you know, the controversy that uh, came out was an umpiring decision on uh, what they call the DRS, where they have a video replay, and uh, somebody sits there and watches, the same as spectators at home see exactly the same picture, and uh, there's an appeal for a catch. The Australians didn't think that the catch had been taken. The commentators didn't think the catch had been taken. I didn't think the catch had been taken, but the umpires seemed to see it differently. But, you know, the more you look at it, you see the ball bounce in front of the, uh, the lady who took the catch, and it was given out. And, uh, I mean, I, when, you, when you start using technology like this, uh, you've got to make it correct. That's the whole point of having technology. And yet uh, this person who made the judgment got it horribly wrong. The worst part about that, of course, is that um, they'll just get another game to umpire and uh, New Zealand go away with a loss and a net run rate of minus 4.85. And that is going to hurt them because they're up against South Africa next. And it's not the way to start a World Cup event where the games are rapid fire. They're playing again uh, well, tomorrow night uh, against South Africa in PAL. Right, human error, even when technology is involved. You can never get it right. Well, yeah, the, I, would, I mean, that, that is something that happens quite often. Uh, and the whole point of having technology was to make sure you get it right. And yet it happens often in some events where, you know, too much technology, too many replays are seen and <laughs> you don't get the right result. Uh, I'm sure one day it will happen. 
Okay, back here in New Zealand, uh, two domestic T20 champions were crowned on Sunday. Yes, indeed. The uh, Dream 11 Super Smash was won, and it was staged in Christchurch. and didn't quite turn out the way it was supposed to uh, turn out. Canterbury men were home to Northern Brave, who were defending their uh, title, and they got up to win the, uh, the title. And in the women's events, Canterbury won it, although Wellington have been the side to beat. Uh, up to the final, they'd lost uh, only one game in their last 20. So they'd gone two to three seasons without being beaten. The big problem for them on this occasion was that all their star players are in South Africa in the uh, T20 World Cup. There's five of them who have been part of the Wellington setup. And the big problem for Wellington, of course, was that having qualified top of their group, they basically earned the right to have the home final. But the cricket administrators decided that they would have it at the venue of the men's qualifiers. And uh, so the Wellington women had to go to Christchurch to play against Canterbury. Uh, frankly, I can't understand why they decided it was the men's event. There's so much equality in sport these days and the women's game is being treated as on a par to the men's. So why didn't they move the men's game to Wellington where Wellington could have had the home final? Uh, instead of taking it to Christchurch. Uh, and I think there's been a fair bit of argument to and fro on that one. Didn't change the result. Uh, Canterbury won, and uh, Amy Satterthwaite, who was their captain, who's been a long-standing member of their side and an international player, I think is bowing out after that game. This might well be her last uh, season playing international cricket, so uh, she'll be happy to have uh, that title one of a number of titles that she's been able to achieve over a long period of her career, you know, something like 20 years. Uh, the annual Coast to Coast uh, was on Saturday and more than 1,300 competitors lined up at the start. What is it that drives people to compete in such a gruelling event? Is it the competition ethic or just want to test themselves? Well, <laughs> you'd have to say that. I'd say madness, but, um, you know, I don't know that I would ever get up to do it, but it is a massive event. Uh, it's been going since 1983. It was set up by a guy called Robin Judkins, and they didn't have that many uh, participants in the initial stages, but it has grown because I think it is that challenge. It's like the old um, you know, Edmund Hillary line about uh, climbing Everest. Why did you do it? Because it's there, and there is that challenge for people, isn't there, that uh, you know, seemingly the unthinkable is possible and uh, you know it starts out on the west coast finished up in new brighton they have uh, a run they have uh, a kayak they have a cycle race it takes about 11 and a half hours to compete it i suppose you look at some of those who are taking part and you can see that it is the competitive nature of it because richie mccaw and his partner in what was uh, a team event, Nathan Cohen, who's an um, Olympic rower, was at the Olympic Games. They competed, and we, we know uh, Richie McCaw is not one and never has been one to steer away from a challenge. And uh, it's not the first time he's taken part, but you know it's got to be the challenge for a lot of these people. Uh, would you do it, uh, Karen? Would you do a sort of coast-to-coast, 11 and a half hours of, Running, cycling and kayaking? 
Uh, I'd have to do quite a couple of years of training <laughs> in order yeah. to get there. I find it difficult walking. Uh, yeah, I find it difficult walking to the letterbox just to pick up the mail. Uh, put it this way, I'd love to be able to do that. That would be amazing. I, I guess if you put your mind to it, um, you might not um, yeah. come, come in the top three, but if you competed it, you'd be happy with yourself. Yeah, well, it's like running a marathon too. I mean, uh, it, it, it seems a, a way of self-punishment to a certain extent, but people thrive on that and they enjoy the challenge because they set themselves targets and tasks to do and uh, they achieve them. So it's great. I mean, uh, the fact that it's grown to the extent that it has uh, is just a remarkable achievement on its own. And it's good to see how much your body can handle, you know, if you trust it <laughs> and you've worked with it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I, what you're going to say? Uh, you no, don't I trust your heart. body. I watch. <laughs> I don't trust myself to be able to get up to do those sorts of things. No, I watched the halftime show though. You'd have watched that, wouldn't you? I was too busy Brianna? watching the weather. Yeah, well, I suppose that's something that's probably attracted a lot of people's attention. Yeah, the Super Bowl. It's um, it is probably one of the most watched events. Well, it certainly is. In the United States, I mean, it is a big, big occasion. But I mean, even around the world, it has become uh, something that people watch, and it's very popular in New Zealand. There's a lot of people watch it. I, I can never quite comprehend uh, what it is about the Super Bowl that attracts so many viewers. I don't particularly like the sport. I've followed it over a period of time. I picked my own team years ago, the Chicago Bears, but they're no good, so. I lost interest in it this year. But they talk about, you know, sort of 150 million people watching it. And do you know how much it costs for a 30-second commercial at prime time in the Super Bowl? Tell me. $11, $11 million. Some of them are paying for 30-second commercials. It used to be a million dollars. And, you know, you've got to have a fairly big audience to justify paying that for a 30-second commercial, don't you? Who, what, uh, but that, that's what, what they do. What, what were the uh, nature of the ads? Who were the companies? Like, were they... I, I don't take much notice of that. I tend to turn off in, in commercials. They I, probably I mean, didn't I only have just watch the US, uh, Rihanna performing. US commercials in, on the New Zealand feed, probably. And was she good? Yeah, I'm not sure, but... Oh, yeah, I suppose if you like that sort of thing. I mean, uh, she's, she's popular. It's not my uh, kind of music, but, you know, just to see what they put on, I mean, the <laughs> the way that that is put together, and, and a New Zealander is responsible for that as well. I'm not sure the name, but I know a New Zealander is basically the choreographer and, and the designer of the set. So um, that in itself is quite a remarkable achievement, uh, and those same people are watching that as are watching the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles by 38-35. to 35. So there we go. We've given you the score as well. Very good. Uh, that, that's um, Paris Goebel, isn't it? Ah, that's the name, yeah, exactly. Well, you see, one of us knew, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so Ireland have uh, made a strong statement in the Six Nations Rugby. They beat France. Yeah, and um, blitzed them, really. It was an outstanding performance, 32 to 19. Both those sides are favoured for the championships, the Six Nation, Six Nation and um, both of them are in high favouritism for the World Cup later in the year. France was seen by many, because they're hosting it, as the country to uh, beat uh, 
in the World Cup. And judging by what we were able to see in these matches, we saw Scotland beat Wales, and of course Scotland beat England last week. England had a win this time. Those are strong sides, and they will be playing in their own environment, their own conditions in the World Cup. But uh, Ireland's win was uh, just another indication to New Zealand that they are a very difficult side. They have handled uh, the New Zealand side in the past pretty well. They beat us out here uh, last year, and they've beaten us overseas in recent times as well. So, you know, they are a very strong side. And to beat France by 32 points to 19 is uh, quite an incredible performance. Uh, the sad news, I suppose, is that uh, Wales got beaten for the second time. And, of course, our man uh, Warren Gatland, who was formerly the coach of Wales and from the Waikato, is back coaching them again. They've had two played, two losses. So uh, he'll be doing a bit of extra thinking, I would imagine. Oh, um, sticking with rugby, the All Blacks coaching role, there's been renewed discussion about that. What, what's prompted that? Yeah, I, I can't understand the reasoning from it. It's come out of the blue. Uh, there is a body of opinion, of course, and it, it's, um, it's a, a situation where you know half the rugby people in New Zealand want Ian Foster to be the coach of the All Blacks, which he is at the moment, and there is a strong body who want Scott Robertson to get the job. But Foster's got it, and he's going to be coaching through to the World Cup. I cannot understand for the life of me why the speculation has been started and why there's a possibility that uh, New Zealand rugby will change the coach. T to me, that sort of speculation just undermines the man who's in the position. And, uh, you know, while he hasn't got a 100% record, he's got a pretty good record. And he's got some good players that uh, are going to be there. Some of them playing for New Zealand for the last time, maybe, because a lot of them have talked about uh, contracts after the World Cup. Uh, Bowden Barrett's one, Aaron Smith, uh, Brady Retallick are all looking for Japanese contracts. And, and most of those contracts basically are for them to uh, fund their superannuation because they get paid pretty well. They're coming to the end of their careers. And uh, I just think it's tough that they're going to go to a World Cup still with uh, a discussion. I hope New Zealand rugby uh, puts it to bed pretty rapidly and says, no, uh, there is going to be no change that uh, fosters our man and he's going to be supported through to the World Cup. And would you like to say something positive about the Warriors? I would. <laughs> they were impressive. <laughs> they won. They won their first game. Do you follow the Warriors? I mean, uh, every time you f meet a Warriors fan, they say, and it's a it's a worn out old phrase now. This is our year, and <laughs> yeah, already they've had that. one. <laughs> well, that's that's been said at the start of every year, and for once they've started the year with a emphatic performance: forty eight twelve over the West Tigers from Australia. The fact that the West Tigers finished below them on the NRL last year really doesn't have much um, to, to say about it because, of course, it's a new year, new coach, uh, new players, etc. But it's, um, I think it will be a confident side that will start the season. If you can perform like that in your pre-season, you set yourself a standard that they've got to try and sustain. They play the Newcastle Knights on the 3rd of March and uh, that is their opening game in the competition. So... Go the Warriors. This is your year. <laughs>
Yeah, my dad follows the Warriors. Well, he has for years, but he he does always, uh, well, not always, intermittently seem disappointed, I think is the right word. <laughs> so he'll be happy. I think that's... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the problem that the Warriors do uh, flatter to deceive too often and they are a major disappointment to their fans because they do have uh, quite a large uh, fan base and they're loyal fans. And, of course, a lot of them led by uh, Peter Leach, Sir Peter Leach, the mad butcher, who's a wonderful promoter of uh, the game of league. So, you know, we hope it is their year and for your father's sake as well. Oh, the mighty Warriors. Okay. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and the cricket, your specialist subject, what's going on with England at Bay Oval? Well, is, is that going to be happening? They've just got a state of emergency in the Bay of Plenty? Yeah, well, that's uh, the concern. And, uh, you know, I was looking to head up there to watch the test, but, uh, you know, a lot is going to depend on the weather. The groundsman, for a start, has probably had uh, a difficult job to try and prepare the ground. They don't know what is going to happen, when the rain is going to be there. I think Thursday or Friday they're expecting some heavy rain in that part of the ground. But they've also had issues with getting players to the ground for the test match. Um, there's a there's a standard way of doing things. The squad gets chosen, and they generally meet at the ground three days before the test match starts. Well, they should have been in Tauranga, Mount Monganui today, three days out from the test match. But they've had five players, for various reasons, who are still in their home cities. One of them, Matt Henry's uh, waiting for the birth of uh, his first child, him and his wife. Uh, another, Tom Blundell's wife has had their second uh, child, and so he's in Wellington doing the family bit. There's... Uh, been problems with flights being cancelled as well uh, and uh, they've had the extra issue of poor old Kyle Jamison who's back after eight months, we spoke about him last week eight months out of the game because of injury and confidently looking to come back into the test side and, and New Zealand need him and need his abilities but there seems to be a question mark about whether he will be fit to play so you know there's a lot of sort of question marks over the, the test match England come here, um, fresh from beating us last year, 3-0, giving us a, a good old thrashing, and uh, they will come with confidence. Under their New Zealand coach, Brendan McCallum, and, of course, England's New Zealand captain, Ben Stokes, played a lot of his early cricket in New Zealand. In fact, uh, where I live, uh, just north of Wellington, uh, he was playing schoolboy cricket uh, in the local region for a period of time and was coached by some other people I know. So, you know, there's a real New Zealand connection there. We just have to forget that. Uh, they're now playing for England and our guys have got a bit of work to do to try and uh, mop up this English side being a day-night test as well. So uh, extra pressure on them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and pressure also, as you say, coming from the weather. I've got a comment about um, the coast to coast. Uh, this person says, who cares about Richie McCaw? Simone Mayo just won the coast to coast for the fourth time, three of those years, fourth time, three of those years over the age of 40. What a woman. She must oh, be look, that, that's uh, wonderful. And, and Sam Manson won the, um, the, the men's event. But I, I mean, I use uh, Richie McCaw because of, you know, and there are other famous people. I mean, I just chose him because he's a, a name that is um, instantly recognisable by a lot of people taking part in this event. It is a massive uh, challenge. And I'm sorry that um, we forgot about your uh, winner, Simone Meyer. 
That was um, a texter said that. Texter, texter, not a yeah, a texter. That's fine. Yes. Um, but you know that that that's a, a wonderful achievement because I mean that in itself is amazing. And I think this guy Sam Manson, who won the men's event, has tried eleven times to win it, something like that number. So yeah, you know, it's it's just amazing. I think it's just the event, not so much the personalities, but the challenge that is there for those athletes. Very good, Brian. Well, I'll let you get tucked up wherever you're going to get tucked up. Nice and quiet where you are, is it? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. We, we had a little bit of rain earlier this afternoon, um, but I managed to wipe it off the windscreen of the car and, uh, and carry on with life. So it's it's pleasant now. What the forecast holds for it, um, I don't know, but I just wish all you people in the north of the country uh, the best wishes in, in terms of hoping that it's not as devastating as the uh, the last floods that probably haven't recovered from you, have you? No, certainly haven't. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens overnight. Thank you very much, Brian, for your best wishes. Lovely to talk to you, Karen. You too. Yep. Talk to you soon. That's Brian yep. Waddle with Sport.